Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, every day there's a new leak out of the intelligence agencies or the FBI or new demand by Congress or new court case or whatever it is. And they're all aimed at attacking the president of the United States. So we should spend half the show discussing polls. Half the show is discussing a leak about an intelligence issue, and it's not even clear the extent to which the intelligence information is accurate. So we should spend a week debating that, like two and a half years on Russia collusion. Just look at how this is being played out, ladies and gentlemen. And then we need hearings, and we need investigations. All day long. I don't know why we have all these cable channels Because they all say pretty much the same thing. I don't know why we have all these network news programs. They all pretty much say the same thing. And why do we need all these newspapers? Just have one big communist-like newspaper that speaks for the left. Because they all say the same damn thing, pretty much. And today, that's it. If Trump wasn't briefed, he should have been briefed. We need to get to the bottom of this, says Pelosi. Pelosi, who went to Syria during the Bush administration... Wore schmata on her head, bowed down, took a knee. The left likes to take a knee, not to God, but to, but to other human beings, and so forth. But I, I want to talk more broadly, and we'll circle back, but I want to talk more broadly right now. I, I've been thinking about this, because if you're like me, and I'm like you, these are very dark days. So you get down from time to time. And you try to think about the illogic and the irrationality to have millionaire and billionaire basketball players who are going to work wear 
social phrases on their back, like bumper stickers about America and tenured professors in Hollywood and all the rest. I got to thinking about this. So stick with me, because what I say will be repeated. I've been talking about now colleges and universities, that we need to break them up. I've been talking about how most of these protesters have actually been white, which is now true, according to Pew, that most of these protesters have college educations, which is now true, according to Pew. And I told you last week or the week before, we really need to address this. The universities and colleges take hundreds of billions of dollars every year without any oversight on what they do with this money, their tenure practices, their hiring practices. They claim academic freedom when they're actually about academic tyranny. This is something that needs to be examined. I understand why the Democrats want everybody to go through these indoctrination mills. And I understand why they want us to pay for it, because it benefits them. The only thing they support is what benefits them. Open borders. They used to be opposed. The unions used to be opposed. And then they figure, all right, voters and union members. Now open borders. But let's talk about this a minute. Let's take a look at this. Systemic racism, systemic, the system is racist. Our institutions are racist. Racism is embedded in our culture. Who controls the schools in this country, Mr. Producer? Who controls the cities, the Democrats? Who controls most of our corporate boards in this country? Lots of Democrats on the courts, lots of Democrats who are defense counsel, lots of Democrats who are prosecutors, lots of Democrats who sit on juries. Most corporate boards are not conservatives, are not conservative. So when you look at whether it's entertainment, whether you look at newsrooms, whether you look at elementary, middle school, high schools, colleges, universities, Democrats, the NEA, the AFT, the college associations, the tenure system is all intended to, to advance the cause of hardcore radical Democrats and to protect them, where they indoctrinate our children. Look at our cities. Virtually every single city is controlled by the Democrat Party. Our corporate boards, as I said, are very liberal. Very liberal. These are corporatists, not conservatives, not constitutionalist corporatists. And our courts, look at John Roberts today. I'll get to him. What a reprobate he is. So, ladies and gentlemen, if there's systemic racism, where is it exactly? You know, when I, I look at the NFL or the NBA, these are majority-minority institutions. But what about the owners? I'm talking about the multimillionaires who've profited from basketball and football. These are majority minority, significantly majority, minority institutions. And they're going to run up and down the court with a social statement on their back? Or they're going to take a knee on the flag or the national anthem? About what? Systemic racism? Well, where is it? If it's in our public schools, then let's go get it. Let's yank it away from the NEA and the AFT and the Democrats. If it's in our boardrooms, then let's go get it. There are federal and state laws against systemic racism. Go get it. Our courts. Well, which judges? Which prosecutors? Which defense counsel? Which juries? 
They have no specificity whatsoever. None. Where is it? You want to know where you find systemic racism against minorities? In non-constitutional republics. In non-representative governments. You have systemic racism in China, which LeBron James loves because Nike's in China. There's two million Uyghurs in concentration camps. Doesn't bother him. The Tibetans, brutalized. Christians, brutalized. In communist regimes, you have systemic racism, systemic bigotry. In fascistic regimes, you have systemic racism, systemic bigotry. Look at the Middle East. Look what goes on in these Arab countries. They kill each other because they're different Muslim sects. Look what's going on in Africa, where black Christians are brutalized in the Sudan and the Congo by black Muslims. It's in a republic, a constitutional republic. We have advancement. A constitutional republic where people can thrive, where mistakes can be addressed civilly, lawfully, politically. And yet we had a massive civil war like no country's ever seen over the issue of, yes, maintaining the union. But as Frederick Douglass would later say, slavery. No other country on the face of the earth has had such a civil war over slavery. It's not taking place in the Sudan. It's not taking place in the Congo. It's not taking place throughout the Middle East. No. In America. Massive casualties. The overwhelming majority of which were white. That's a fact. Communist regimes, dictatorships, non-constitutional republics, non-representative governments. That's where you will find systemic racism enshrined in their institutions, not in America. And if it is in America, then we need to ask the people who run our school systems and the teachers who teach, are you racist? Systemically, are you racists? Then we need to ask the corporate boards, the executives, are you racists? We need to ask the judges, the prosecutors, defense attorneys, are you racist? Are your juries racist? Then why do you allow them to sit as they do? And we need to ask the Democrats who run these cities, are you racist? This is a lie of the worst order. Then I got to thinking further. Just because it's in the news, these basketball players, the vast majority of whom are black, will be running up and down the courts with social media or social statements on their backs, on their jerseys. Where do you think the freedom to put those words on your jersey comes from? The framers of the Constitution. Well, Mark, it's not a government act. It doesn't matter. They're the ones who set in place the ideas of a free country. Of a free country. 
What do you think when these unions for the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball and all the rest of them, and not just sports, when they negotiate, we have a right to a big income. We have a right to 50% of this. We have a right. Where do you think that comes from? Private property rights. There's an awful lot of countries out there where you don't have private property rights. I don't care what skin color, religion, or background you are. Because they're not republics and they don't have constitutions. Like the framers of our constitution set up. Some men from free states, some men from slave states. Private property rights. And those men who will be running up and down the basketball court or muscling their way up and down a football field. And those actors and actresses who you see on movie screens and television screens. And those professors on TV going on and on about systemic racism and others. Some of them have very expensive collections of cars and jewelry. Some of them have many, many homes. Well, they earned it, Mark. That line only works in a capitalist republic. They earned it, Mark? Do they not know what Black Lives Matter stands for? It's a Marxist anarchist organization. doesn't matter if you earned it. There are other people who don't have as much as you have. It doesn't matter if you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan. Who cares? That money is not yours. You're taking that money from hardworking people off the sweat and tears of hardworking people who sit in the stands and, and pay your confiscatory prices for hot dogs and beer and popcorn and peanuts. You're part of the system. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? Who runs the public school system? Liberal Democrats. Who runs the colleges and universities? Liberal Democrats. Who sits on the boards of corporations? Mostly liberals of both parties. Corporatists. Who are the screenwriters and the directors and the producers and the actors in movies and television shows? Mostly liberal Democrats. And who runs up and down the courts and the football field and runs after the baseballs and all the rest of it? Mostly liberal Democrats. They are the system. They take advantage of every bit of the system. They pretend to be down for the revolution. They're not down for anything. In fact, These leftists who are wealthy, who control these various institutions, are the worst citizens we have. Because while they take advantage of the system, they attack the system. It's capitalism. It's private property rights that gives them their wealth. It's the Constitution And the framers, that gives them their freedom. It was the Constitution, and particularly the Declaration, but the Declaration that justified and gave explanation to the Civil War, as Abraham Lincoln pointed out. The students that go to these colleges and universities, thousands of them, who funds them? We fund them. They wouldn't even exist. 
but for the right to free speech, the right to freedom of assembly, and our tax dollars. But they run the system. More when I return. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. The biggest frauds of them all are wealthy left-wing individuals, white and black. How many of these people in Hollywood, well, that kind of speaks for it live in the communities they claim to care about. How many of the men in professional basketball live in the communities they claim to care about? How many of the men who play professional football live in the communities they claim to care about? And I can go down through sports. I can, how many of the men and women who sit on these corporate boards who claim to care about these communities, how many of them live in them? They live in their own segregated world, communities, and neighborhoods. And they're not intentionally segregated by race, but they're segregated by wealth. And so the question is, why don't they all live in Minneapolis or south side of Chicago or Newark, New Jersey or Watts? Is it because they're all racists? Is it because they are systemically racist? Is it because the system is systemically racist? No. Because they're crime infested? Their governments don't function properly? Their schools don't function properly? And rather than live there and contribute, they escape. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, a proud conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. Do you think in any country but our own, anyone would give a damn what somebody says running up on a basketball court in short pants and shooting a ball at hoops has to say, Mr. Producer? Is there another country on the face of the earth where the best of such players would be a billionaire? You think that would be tolerated in a communist regime or a fascistic regime? Or football or all the rest? Do you think it would be tolerated if somebody took a knee during the national anthem, Kaepernick? Kaepernick would disappear in three seconds if he were in China. Never to be heard from again. What revolution are these clowns talking about? These are damn fools. They're not up or down for any revolution. You're going to wear something on the back of your jersey running up and down on a basketball court? Wow, aren't you cool? Aren't you tough? Aren't you revolutionaries? You haven't lifted a damn finger for anybody. Except at Thanksgiving when you're handing out turkeys. Or Christmas when you're giving out presents. Then you go back to your mansions. You go back to your Lamborghinis. You send your kids to private school. White, black, and different. I don't care. They're all frauds on the left. All of them. Obama's the top fraud of the bunch. Send his kid to a white private school, mostly white. You know, Jimmy Carter, say what you will, he sent his daughter to a public school in Washington, D.C. Not Obama. Obama doesn't lead by example. Obama lives among, vacations among, plays among, quote-unquote, systemically racist. So does LeBron James. So do all the damn broadcasters. Where do they live? Where do their kids live? You ever see a revolution like this, Mr. Producer? This is a joke. It's a joke. It's a sick joke. Now, where do all these hypocrites think their food comes from? And their clothing? And their cars? I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. In America... The poorest among us do better than the vast majority did 100, 150 years ago. In fact, the vast majority of Americans today, of all colors, live better today than most kings and queens did 150, 200 years ago. You go into a grocery store, we've had this chat, but it needs to be said. 20 different kinds of meat. Hamburger. You want 85% fat, fat-free, or 87% fat-free, maybe 90% fat-free, 92%, nope, 95% fat-free. Oh, okay. 
How would you like your shrimp? Would you like it cooked? Would you like it raw? Would you a little bit of pepper on what, what would paprika, whatever that? Well, how would you like your shrimp? Well, I like you want the king shrimp, the medium shrimp, or the popcorn shrimp? Well, I don't know. Let me think about hey, what kind of fish would you like? We've got swordfish, we've got grouper, we got flounder, we got orange roughly. We've got we've got wow. How about the lobster? We got one. Wow. Look at that. This one's almost two pounds. Nah, I can't eat the lobster. What kind of salami would you? Hard salami, Italian salami, kosher salami. How about hot dogs? Ballparks, 12-inch hot dogs, six in a pack, eight in a pack, ten in a And when you're done, let's go to the row with the wine. Wine from everywhere. All kinds of wine. And buy, you can buy five bucks, 500 bucks, whatever you want. Water. Oh, man. Bottled water. From Fiji, from whatever. Bottled water. Amazing. Never seen anything like this. How about cereals? 400 types of cereals. How about candy? 500 types of candy. Vegetables. You want organic? Non-organic. What do you want? Well, I want some organics. Okay, great. Strawberries. Three different kinds of strawberry. You want it from Mexico, Chile, California. What do you want? Raspberries, blueberries, blackberries. How about bananas? We got organic. We got all kinds of bananas. You got the small ones, the big ones. I'm not done. Lettuce. Oh, lettuce. I'm not a lettuce guy, but I see it. Whole damn row. Romaine, iceberg, mixed lettuce, this lettuce, that. Wow. How about cheese? Oh, my God. Cheese from everywhere. All kinds. Swiss, not Swiss. Milk. Whole milk section. You ever see this? Lactose-free, not lactose-free. Chocolate, strawberry. Uh, Almond milk? Would you like almond milk? What would you like? And, of course, gluten-free. This is all new. 1050. Gluten-free, I call it the hippie section. Oh, I want gluten-free. I don't even know if I need it, but it sounds cool. I want gluten-free. Okay. Wow. Gluten-free? Yes. Let me go to the bakery and say, oh, you want cupcakes? You want donuts? What do you want? How many kinds of bread? Italian bread? I don't even know how to name them. Italian, you want some garlic, without garlic, we got challah, we got rye, we got whatever you want. Slice, not slice. How about rolls? Got rolls everywhere. What kind of rolls do you want? Now, what the hell do you think produces that? revolutionaries, resistance, Marxist pigs. What do you think produces that? You ready? It's called capitalism. It feeds the world. It feeds the country. And there's nothing systemically racist about it. Look at the reports. Is it processed food or not processed food? This fast food restaurant, we got to shut them down. We got to burn them down. It's owned by the system. Processed food, can't eat process. Processed food 100 years ago saved the country. We sit here and we debate over processed food or, or organic food. Only in America. Do you find this in communist regimes? Name one. Oh, we got the wet, what do they call it in China? The wet farm markets. Where they're slaughtering animals alive right in front of you. Oh, what would you like today? I'd like some dog. Okay, Korea. 
killed right there and skinned. Sick. This is going on around the world, you know. But we're going to have a revolution, ladies and gentlemen. Our multi-million dollar athletes are very upset, so they're going to take a knee at the flag. They're going to take a knee at the national anthem because they've contributed so mightily to race relations in our country. They've contributed so mightily to the, to the growth and strength of our country. Oh, my goodness, they surely have. Same with Hollywood. I mean, these people are absolutely unbelievable. They've contributed so mightily to the, to the core values of our country and the needs of our fellow countrymen. And same with the media. Oh, my goodness. These bastards don't produce a damn thing for the country. Not a damn thing. They're the last thing that matters. When people are struggling, when people are trying to get a career, when people are trying to be professionals, when people are trying to pay their bills, when people are trying to raise their families, when people have medical situations, real-life situations. These people are in fantasy land, running up and down courts, running up and down fields, on movies, on TVs. Oh, they're down for the revolution. Ah, screw them. Every damn one of them. And then our universities and colleges. Two-thirds of the people in this country don't go to a four-year college and never have. And they are subsidizing these bastards in the street who are pulling down monuments because they're offended at American history. Pull down that general. Whose side did it? Doesn't mind. Pull them down. Pull that guy down. Who is that? I don't know. It's Lincoln. Pull him down. Pull him down. Jefferson. Jefferson? Yeah, you know, he gave us the Declaration of... Pull him down. Washington gave us the country. I don't care. Pull him down. Theodore Roosevelt, he's on a horse. He's got the... Pull him down. Well, who are we going to build up? I don't know. We young people haven't figured this out yet. We need modern revolutionaries, you know. And then when we're done, we're going to go to Starbucks. Oh, yeah, we got it all. We're going to plan it all out. We're going to plan it all out right there at Starbucks. Some revolution. Let me tell you something. These so-called revolutions... Many have been started by the same bastards who are trying to overthrow the country today. Karl Marx was born into an upper middle class family. His father was a lawyer. He used to borrow money from his father all the time and played the stock market, used his father's money to pay his rent, but he was a great ideologue, don't you know? Lenin was not a poor man, but he was a great communist. Great communist. Castro's father was not a poor man, he was a significant farmer. Great communist. Che Guevara, great communist. A lot of these people come out of the same situation as some of these people you're watching today. They have a very small following. And yet the vast majority buckles. They don't take them on. And the system collapses. 
That's why this needs to be fought. This cannot be dismissed. And this ideology has devoured most of our institutions already, in the media, in Hollywood, in sports, in our schools for sure. That's where it springs from. That's why we've talked about this for weeks. That's why I had Professor Ellis on my show, because we're going to focus more and more on this. And by the way, in the, in the final hour of this show, we're going to have Tom Soule on the show for nearly the entire hour. He never does that, but he's a brilliant man, and he and I have become very good friends. I'll be right back. Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Stick with me, folks. The other broadcasters do. Seriously. Now ask yourselves a question as these people run up and down the basketball court in short pants, as these people run up and down the football court with helmets on, football field, as these Hollywood types move in from movie to movie and TV, and all the rest of them. What exactly is it that they're contributing to the revolution? We're down with the revolution. Really? And how so? Well, I'm wearing things on my T-shirt. Oh, cool. Like a bumper sticker. So you're running up and down the court, and that'll fix everything. Oh, yeah, no, it's true. Well, we're going to put Kaepernick on one of our teams. Wow, you must be down for the revolution. So you're going to pay Kaepernick millions of dollars. Wow, that'll help the inner cities. What else are you going to do? Wow, we're going we're gonna to rename the schools, really. And what the hell's going on in the schools? You educating those kids? No, but we're going to rename them. We're down with the revolution. Really? Well, what are you going to do about the teachers union? You're going to break them? No. What about the NBA union? You're going to break that? No, we like our money. We like our lifestyle. NFL, same thing. Oh, I see. So you're really not down for the revolution because you're not giving up a damn thing. Like good Marxist anarchists, like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. They're frauds. All of them are frauds. Some revolution. What kind of revolution is this? Mark, what? There's systemic racism. No, there isn't. If there is, you're part of it. If it is their part, you're part of it. Most, let's be honest. Steph, what's his last name, that clown's name? Steph Curry doesn't live in a black neighborhood. If he does, it's some gentrified neighborhood in a condo. This guy, Greg Pavovich, he doesn't live in a black neighborhood. 
If he does, it's a gentrified area. I know LeBron James doesn't. The vast majority, the majority minority in football and basketball, they don't live in dangerous inner city black neighborhoods. What are they, racist? They must be. Well, why do they do that? And these broadcasters who sit on their fat butts and comment about systemic racism, where do they live? Where do they send their kids? What do they do? And what are they doing for the revolution other than tweeting? What are they doing? It's time. What's time? For what? Meanwhile, the freedoms everybody enjoys, the freedoms that come with free market capitalism, the freedoms that come with our Constitution, the freedoms that come with our principles under our Declaration, as time has evolved, we are the freest country on the face of the earth. That's why nobody's leaving. Nobody's leaving. Where are they going to go? Some Marxist paradise? And where would that be? Some democratic socialist country? Where's that? Where are they going to go? Nowhere. So what revolution are they down for? Nothing. Nothing. They're frauds. They're frauds. Some of them know it in their heart of hearts. Some of them are too stupid to know it. But now they become iconic figures down for the revolution. They live two lives. They live one life among the, may I say, systemically racist. And another life, which is a lie. It's like Oprah. Where does Oprah live? I say this in all honesty. And not just Oprah, but you can go down the Where's Bill Gates live? He got some 400,000 square foot home on a lake somewhere. I don't know. Where does he live? It matters. Actions speak more than all the rest of it. But don't worry. We're going to run up and down the court with certain social activism words on our back. Wow. Wow, that guy, he's really down for the revolt. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. As I said, uh, the great Dr. Thomas Sowell will be here in hour three for an exclusive interview. We're going to talk to him almost the entire hour, which is quite rare, but it's worth every syllable. Every syllable. What I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you, ladies and gentlemen, don't, don't take this. You know, to have this Black Lives Matter guy from New York on a Sunday show, to me, is shocking. I've learned a lot about this guy from people on the street. He's a bad guy. And some of the leadership in Black Lives Matter say he's not even one of our leaders. I don't really care. But there are people in our inner cities who are breaking their backs every day trying to make a living. They're hardworking. They're law-abiding. There are people, you wouldn't know it. 
you wouldn't know it. You don't see them. You don't hear from them. It's as if they don't exist, but they do. There's pastors, there's community activists, not about politics, but about protecting their communities, protecting the people. People are trying to run businesses. People are trying to raise their kids. You don't see them. Instead, some guy gets on TV and threatens to burn the system down. Makes a name for himself. Some jackass. Burn the system down. And as I said on Fox, they want to create a bigger system while talking about burning the system down. Now, I don't have a lot of time. I want to move my next issue. Joe Biden. Are you going to let Joe Biden get away with running this kind of a farcical campaign? This is a fraud on the American electorate. He's not hiding because of the coronavirus. We have God knows how many truckers, patriots, driving from one end of the country to the other. We have people, as I've talked about many, many times, are putting groceries and other things on our shelves. We have people who've been functioning without blinking for the last four or five months. And we have a man who wants to be president, commander-in-chief, who wants you to believe that the reason he won't campaign or go into the various states is because of the coronavirus. And we have a media which takes the propaganda points that the campaign puts out telling you that this man is righteous because he's protecting people. So Joe Biden, hiding out in his basement, doing something unthinkable when you want to be president of the United States, is righteous. And having a virtual convention so you don't get to see all the clowns and the buffoons and the fools the radicals, that is, who are part of this convention, the Bernie Sanders support, that's righteous. And let me tell you something. Be ready for this. And we shouldn't tolerate it for two seconds. They may well want a, a viral or whatever the hell you call it, type of, uh, not viral, a, a, a debate, virtual debate. Because Joe Biden doesn't want to stand on that stage, whether it's 20 feet apart or 6 feet apart up against Donald Trump. You watch him try and pull that at the last minute. I could be wrong. If I am, great. Joe Biden's not a candidate. He's an image. He's not of substance. He's a vessel. And he's only going to get older, and he's only going to get more feeble, much like Nancy Pelosi. You know, Hillary Clinton is criticized for not campaigning in a handful of key states, Wisconsin, Michigan, and so forth. Joe Biden, the question is going to be, what states did he actually campaign in? It's shocking. But he knows he has the media on his side. And the Democrat Party and the media work seamlessly. Seamlessly. A story goes out, a leak is made, a phony whistleblower. That's the story for the day, for the week. Polls. Polls are not news. Polls are not news. He's ahead, he's behind. Polls are not news. Polls are manufactured. Whether they're right or wrong or indifferent, that's not my point. 
That's not a news story. Well, you don't think it's a news story that he's way behind? It is June. June. The president is running like he's behind. The president does want to win. I happen to know that for a fact. But it is not news when the news entities put out polls. That's what we call pseudo-news. I do know that Joe Biden hasn't said anything that's positive about this country. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing positive about the founding. Nothing positive about the American people. Nothing. Nothing. What is it, Joe, that you love about this country? Give us three, four, five things. His base won't tolerate. And his base, just so you understand, is Bernie Sanders supporters. They're Marxists. They're violent. They're nuts. They're spoiled bastards. It's what they are. Everything should come to them. They don't want equality. They just want. Well, we want equality. No, they, they want. Again, they don't live in the communities they talk about. They go in those communities... They jack people up, then they leave those communities. <coughs> Excuse me. Much like our athletes, much like our Hollywood uh, stars and so forth. Much like these politicians. So we have this coronavirus. And the Democrats think they're going to ride this baby right to Election Day. Why? What have they done? What have they done? Have they proposed any special bills to address the... No. They have any answers? No. Nancy Pelosi says, we're going to mandate, a federal mandate that everybody has to wear a mask. (laughs) Well, that'll fix everything. And let's say they don't. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Now, obviously, there's exceptions to this. If you're looting, if you're an arsonist... If you're robbing, if you're burgling, and even if you're killing, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to wear a mask. If you're a mostly peaceful protester, you don't have to wear a mask. In other words, if you're a Democrat, you don't have to wear a mask. You're going to pass a federal law. How are you going to do this exactly? But that's their answer. A federal mandate to wear a mask? That's how you're going to deal with the virus? The president has moved heaven and earth on this issue. Whether it's ventilators, respirators, whether it's masks, whether it's gloves. I mean, there was nothing. He pulls the private sector together, the government sector together. He pulls the scientists together. He's working with the labs. He's working with the pharmaceutical companies. Day in and day out, he and the vice president. They're working on therapeutics. They're working on a, uh, everything they can think of. A vaccination. Nobody could have handled this better. Nobody could have handled this better. But if you're not responsible for anything, and if you can't complete a thought, and you don't speak in in full sentences, and if you're the bubble boy hiding in your basement, and for that you're righteous, 
You don't have to propose anything or stand for anything. You just sit there and shoot spitballs. That's all you have to do. And that's what Biden's good at, shooting spitballs, because he's got a lot of spittle dripping down his chin. That's it. Now, you're getting a lot of reporting, and I might add a lot of hype on this virus. Is it serious? Yes. And we don't need the reporters to keep telling us it's serious. We know it's serious, and no thanks to them. But it is almost impossible to tell fact from fiction when it comes to the reporters. Almost impossible. I'll give you a perfect example. If you didn't hear this from me this week and last week and the week before, you never would have heard it. The mortality rate from this virus right now is less than 0.26%. That's the CDC number. If their numbers are worthless, so be it. But that's their number. Not 1%, not 2%, not 4 0.26%. And I'll tell you something else. The more tests they do, the more they underestimated what we call the denominator. That is, the more they underestimated the number of cases. I told you three months ago there were more cases than they knew because there was a lack of testing. And it bears out now. Why? Because I'm a genius and a scientist? No, because the geniuses and the scientists from Stanford and Yale and Oxford and Rockefeller College, they told us this, but nobody would listen to them. What else do we know? This attack this month is on mostly people 50 and under. Not over 50, some obviously, but most of them are under 50 years, 50 and under. That's what the science tells us. That's what the data shows us. How do I know? I just looked it up. So for them, it'll be less deadly. Not perfectly so, but less deadly. What else do we know? We know that almost 50%, just under 50%, I think it was 43%, give or take, of the people who had died from this virus up to today were people in assisted living homes, people in nursing homes. Not my stats, their stats. And a huge number out of Andrew Cuomo's New York. The Democrats keep wanting to hold hearings in the House of Representatives. They don't want to hold hearings about Andrew Cuomo and all the blood that's on his hands. That's right, I said it. They don't want to hold hearings on Governor Murphy of New Jersey, Governor Pritzker of Illinois, Governor Newsom of California, all Democrats, and how they aggressively pushed people who tested positive for the coronavirus into nursing homes and assisted living homes. They don't want to do that. Or, and, who failed to put resources and take exceptional uh, steps to protect those people who were the most vulnerable. Trump had nothing to do with that. As Andrew Cuomo likes to say, oh, that's uh, federalism. So that was federalism. The media deflect, and they want to blame the president of the United States. And the media today are not telling the truth. They haven't told the truth from day one. 
It's all about hype, all about ratings, all about getting Trump, every damn thing. And it takes what I read, I heard, 10 to 14 days for this virus to kick in. Well, what happened 10 to 14 days ago? Uh, I think we had mostly peaceful riots. Really? Oh, yes. They never mentioned that. They never mentioned that. Why? Well, Mark, that's not all of it. Did I say it's all of it? It's got to be some of it. They don't mention it at all. Because they don't want to. See, Trump's an incompetent. He didn't handle this properly. Joe, now he would, Joe, out to lunch. I mean, lunch bucket Joe, he, he would be able to handle this beautifully. We all know that. Why? He just would, you know. Joe knows what he's doing. Joe can't talk. Joe can't write. Joe can't be seen in public unless it's a staged event. But Joe would be able to handle the most complex and complicated pandemic in 100 years. Joe can do this. And so will his eventual vice president. How do we know? Well, is this, is this person going to be chosen on merit? No. Not really. We already know the standards that they're going to use. We don't know if they have merit or not. We'll find out. And isn't that interesting? I'm going to make the best possible choice I can for vice. No, no, no. Got to have this skin color and this genitalia. Oh, okay. Joe knows. Identity politics right up into the top of the Democrat Party campaign. One day, these white, college-educated women in the suburbs, this is what we're told. My God, they're all for Biden. One day, they better grow the hell up. And I would ask these ladies this question. Why do you live in the suburbs? Why do you live in the suburbs with LeBron James and Steph Curry and, uh, and Oprah? And, uh, why, why, why do you live there? Why don't you live in the inner cities? Why don't you send your kids to inner city schools? Are you down for the revolution too? What's your problem? I, I, I don't like the way Trump tweets. You don't like the way Trump tweets. Very problematic. I don't like. I don't like the way Todd. I don't like the way he tweets. Reminds me of my ex-husband. You know. I, I, I don't. What? Let me ask you a simple question: White educated women in the suburbs. You'll never tell us the truth about why you're in the suburbs any more than than others will. But let me ask you a question: Where does Joe Biden stand on busing? Do you know? Do you care? Did you pick your home? I'm just cutting to the chase, folks. I tell you the truth. Did you pick your home? Did you pick the location where you live because of your schools? No, you know you did. I can't blame you. It's a free country. Well, what if Joe Biden supports busing? Don't you want to know where he stands on busing? Or are you more worried about tweets? What kind of college education did you get anyway? I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? 
This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. short segment here um, when we come back we want to talk about the Supreme Court in particular John Roberts who's being praised by writers at the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN and this is what he yearns for uh, he's become quite the narcissist and this unfortunately is what happens when Republican presidents put people on the bench never happens to Democrats Mr. Producer have you noticed that Happens to Republicans. But I want to repeat something I said the other day, a couple of weeks ago. I posted on my uh, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. And I hope you're following me on both those sites. And that is this. For all the damage and mayhem the rioters have done over the past several weeks, for all the damage and mayhem the media have done and the Democrats have done, nobody has done more damage and mayhem to our ruling system to our rule of law to our constitution in the last several weeks than john roberts it is used the position of chief justice of the united states which is in the constitution he's used a lifetime appointment to destroy from within the constitution and i'll explain exactly what i'm talking about when we return i'll be right back Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Just remember something as you watch the endless propaganda that they call news today. Just remember something. These people hate your guts. They hate you because you elected Trump. But they have said the worst things about you. About you. Now we're systemically racist. They don't mean Democrats. They don't mean Biden. They don't mean any of them. The people making these allegations, are, for the vast majority of them, are Democrats voting Democrat. So they're talking about you. They're talking about the Republican Party. They're talking about the President of the United States. But really about you. This has been the drumbeat for over three years now. 
that there's something wrong with you. It started with Hillary, the deplorables. You've been called neo-Nazis. You've been called white supremacists. You've been called evil. You've been called unhinged, mentally unhinged. These are people who do not respect this country, who do not respect differences of opinion. These are people that would just assume you all drop dead. I'm quite serious about this. So these attacks on Trump are attacks on you. He is the president. He will be here hopefully another four years. Maybe not. But you'll still be here. And you'll still be their target. And you're the ones they want to social engineer. And you're the ones they want to take your wealth from and your property from and dictate where your kids go to school. This is a, a society-changing activity that's taking place from these phony revolutionaries who will have nothing to do with the consequences of what it is they seek to impose on you. Typical. They just earn too much, or they're in positions of power and positions of influence. They'll be unaffected, but you will be affected. All you blue-collar workers, all you assembly line workers, all you folks driving trucks and Ubers and taxis, all you electricians, all you plumbers out there, all you cops and your firefighters, emergency personnel... All you little store owners, all of you are going to be affected by this election. All of you. Not the NBA, not the NFL, not Hollywood, not the leading Democrats, not the media, but you. And they hate you. They hate your guts. Now back to John Roberts. John Roberts. I don't know why we go through the, 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 the bother of nominations and hearings and all the rest of it, when you're going to go up there and lie through your teeth during your confirmation hearings, lie to the president who, appoint, who uh, nominates you, who thinks you're going to be an originalist, what the hell's the point of this process, ladies and gentlemen? John Roberts has done more damage to the United States Supreme Court, more damage to the rule of law, more damage to the Constitution of the United States than any single figure in the United States today. He's done more damage to the traditions of the Supreme Court than any modern jurist today. This decision on abortion in Louisiana is a disgrace. And he knew it because four years ago, a virtually identical case came up out of Texas, and he ruled it was constitutional. Today, he pretends stare decisis or precedent influenced his decision to vote with the usual leftists. Well, it's like I said to my wife today. Then I, I guess he would have voted to uphold Plessy versus Ferguson. In 1896, I guess he would have voted to uphold uh, Dred Scott in 1857. I guess he would vote to uphold Korematsu today. I mean, nobody's buying this S-H-O-T, this shot, Mr. Producer, are they? Now, you don't need a uh, Harvard-educated, I guess, his lawyer to do this. Just find a magician somewhere. Just find a magician. He'll take words and twist them, twist stare decisis. The job of a justice is to do what, ladies and gentlemen? Uphold the Constitution of the United States, which he did not do. 
All the state of Louisiana is trying to do is bring some sense of medical and health responsibility to these abortionists and what they do. Why is it that they can't be regulated? Why is it that they shouldn't be part of the health care system of the community in which they work? And it's a, a significant uh, geography that Louisiana has. Why is that so uh, difficult? But that's what he did. Why is it the judges in black robes think they should be in charge for the whole country, for every state of defining marriage, abortion? Why should they be involved in prayer, the Ten Commandments, LGBTQ? I've said it over and over again. They have nationalized the culture. They have nationalized so-called social issues. All social issues or cultural issues must receive the approval of five lawyers on the Supreme Court. For the 330 million of us, there may be different values and standards in Louisiana than Rhode Island. It doesn't matter. And they decide everything the same way. The left's agenda, marriage, abortion, LGBTQ, expunged prayer, the Ten Commandments. Oh, my God. Imagine if we had the Ten Commandments. Well, imagine if everybody followed them. We'd be a a much better society, wouldn't we? All expunged from the public square. The others, all defined by the justices. Where do they get this brilliance from? Nowhere. This is pure power. Rioters burn down buildings. Activist judges burn down laws in the Constitution and the rule of law. John Roberts is a Supreme Court arsonist. He's an arsonist. And because of his position, the most powerful judge in America, his burning down of the Supreme Court and of the rule of law and the Constitution is a much longer-lasting, ubiquitous effect than some mobster burning down a store, as horrible as that is, and a book ought to be thrown at them. But what do we do about a Supreme Court justice like this, who is celebrated by the New York Times now, celebrated by the Washington Post, celebrated by the, by the law schools, and he knows that. That's why he's doing it. They're celebrating it because they believe in results, not process. What do we do about it under our system? Under our system, nothing. Which is why I wrote the Liberty Amendments. So a decision like this, should three-fifths of the state legislatures want to reverse it and hold it null and void, there's an out. For all of us in society who find these decisions to be fascistic, that this is really a pull-up bureau, not a court. There's no out. There's no appeal anywhere else. This court does not function as the framers intended. John Roberts thinks this is all about him. Not the Constitution. He's a disgrace. I don't know whatever to put it. He's his shameless 
narcissistic, power-hungry disgrace. He has a nice smile, calm demeanor, but he knows what he is, and I know what he is. And he lied his way into that position. He lied his way into that position. From lying to the President of the United States to get the nomination, lied his way through the Senate. You know what? Today, he'd fly through the Senate with the Democrat support. With the Democrat support. He knows they control the media. They control the publishing houses, the books that are written. He reads the style section of the Washington Compost and other parts of the New York Slimes. And he enjoys it. Jeffrey Tubin, a legal analyst over at CNN, a buffoon and a fool, but he is what he is. Says, wow, we really didn't know Roberts. He's really turned out to be something special. What a true munchkin. Munchkin. Would have been better if we pulled a homeless person off the corner and put a black robe on them and asked them to rule on a case like this rather than Roberts. The power goes to their heads, except for Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. So far, Kavanaugh's been hanging in there. I'm keeping an eye on that. Let's see here. I've got some business to do, don't I, Mr. Producer? You know, technology has improved just about everything. Phones, cars, shopping. Your mattresses have more or less been the same since the invention of sleep. But we deserve better. Finally, the mattress has evolved thanks to purple. The secret to purple is the purple grid, hence the name. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. The Purple Mattress is soft where you want it, firm where you need it, and comfortably cool all over. It's truly a mattress that does it all. You can count on resting easy night after night, year after year, because the ultra-durable Purple Grid won't sink or lose shape. Purple is so confident in what they do that every single Purple Mattress comes with free shipping and returns and a risk-free 100-night trial. It's more than a quarter of a year by my calculation. Experience the next evolution of sleep. You have nothing to lose. And you got a lot of good sleep to get. Go to purple.com slash Levin. Use promo code Levin. That's purple.com slash L-E-V-I-N, promo code L-E-V-I-N. And for a limited time, you'll get $150 off any Purple mattress order of $1,500 or more. That's purple.com slash Levin, promo code Levin, for $150 off any mattress over $1,500 or more, I strongly encourage you to get it. Terms apply. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? Well, somebody can break in. That's a bad sign. But I'm not talking about that. Now, home security system that's so complicated you never use it. I used to have one of those. I used to have one of those. You spend money. You're not really secure because it's just too damn hard to use. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. 
They believe that Simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24 7. Order online with the click of a button, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. You're ready to roll. No technician or salesperson has to come and disrupt your house. Head to simplysafemark.com and get free shipping and a 60 day money back guarantee. That's simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com to make sure they know that I sent you. Simplysafemark.com. Let's see, Mr. Producer. I've got a number of places to go. Let's, let's go here. You remember Ken Burns, ladies and gentlemen? He made a fortune from the pubic broadcasting system, uh, which really does uh, give birth to leftists and so forth. You remember the Civil War shows and everything? It was actually pretty good. Uh, but he's down for the uh, struggle. He's down for the revolution. And here's what he wants you to know. Uh, Ken Burns, cut three, go. During the 10 years in which the Statue of Liberty was Okay, wait a minute. So this is produced. Fascinating. So he's produced this just for all of you revolutionaries out there. He's got images. It's heavily produced because he's a filmmaker, of course. Let's start from the top, shall we? Cut three, go. During the 10 years in which the Statue of Liberty was constructed, 20 Confederate monuments were erected across the United States in places as large as New Orleans and Charleston, South Carolina, as small as towns like Quitman, Georgia and Mariana, Florida. And since then, hundreds more have been built, the most recent in 2015. These monuments were efforts to reimpose white supremacy and rewrite history. They are racism memorialized in our public spaces. When we look at the Statue okay, of Liberty. You notice how he leaves things out, Mr. Producer? Which side of the Civil War was Lincoln on? What side of the Civil War was Ulysses S. Grant on? Thomas Jefferson, as I recall, there wasn't a Civil War at the time. There was a Revolutionary War. And you, sir, have benefited from Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence as of all the others who are down for the revolution. We have abolitionist statues being pulled down. What side of the Civil War were they on? How about the 54th Regiment up there in Boston? The first black regiment that fought on the Union side? Their monument was desecrated too. But he doesn't talk about that. Listen to me, folks. This is not about the Confederacy. They've got some suckers out there chasing the Confederacy. Here's the good news. There is no Confederacy. I, I, I hate to tell the, the down for the revolution. The Confederacy was actually defeated. There's no Confederate states left. None. Now some people have flags and some people have monuments. But that's not going to change a damn thing. They lost. We got the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. And people who are enslaved are free. There's been a civil war. There's been other battles. There have been battles in courts. There have been civil rights acts. There's, there's all kinds of litigation and everything else that's taken place over God knows how long to overcome Democrats. Democrats. But we're here. 
as Shelby still likes to say, we're free. Free. Enjoy it. You're free. Free to play basketball for a billion dollars. Free to play football. Free to be a broadcaster. Free to be in Hollywood. Free to be whatever you want. You're free. Freer than any place on the face of the earth. More equal than any place on the face of the earth. Wow. Can't have that. How are we going to have a revolution? So this is all BS. Who cares what Ken Burns says? Who cares? This is an excuse for doing nothing. Pulling down monuments is an excuse for doing nothing. How about really liberating our inner cities? Can you imagine that? How about a touch of capitalism? We love it out in the suburbs. We love it in gentrified parts of the city. People are making money playing basketball and football and doing movies. How about other people get access to capitalism? How about good schools? I don't mean all government schools. I mean really good schools. We're going to change the name. How about you change the classroom? No, no, it's easier to pull down statues. This guy, Ken Burns, is a multimillionaire filmmaker. He's not down for any revolution. This cost him nothing. Not a damn thing. Putting out a video. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Thomas Sowell, it's an honor to have you. How are you, sir? Fine, thank you. Very good to be with you. Well, man, do we need to talk to you now. I'll tell you what. I want to get into your magnificent book, which just, I think it comes out tomorrow. Yes. Charter schools and their enemies. And boy, I tell you what, you see what's going on in this country. We need a little competition, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, Human beings, I mean, the, the, the salability of human beings makes it dangerous to have anybody insulated from, from uh, competition, either in words or in, uh, in actions in a marketplace. Mm-hmm. And we have this monopoly, pretty much a monopoly, in these, uh, the public school system. And then we get like a monopoly of ideology, don't we? Yes, yes. Uh, the, the school system is really, really a unique institution, I think, in terms of you know, almost any uh, institution, whether it's uh, sports, religious, uh, medical, automobile dealerships, whatever, uh, they must satisfy their clientele, otherwise they, they, they have no institutional future. The, the traditional public school is the one institution in society that is not held, held to that standard in the slightest. They're supplied a, a, a clientele by the compulsory attendance laws, 
and they're and they're and they don't have to uh, compete even among themselves because they they're geographically uh, set up for, for each individual district, and so they they have zero competition, and they can treat the uh, clientele as they feel like. And who is preventing? Like charter schools, more of these alternatives, and who wants them? And the particularly, you, your study is very focused on New York City as an example. Well, well, the the, the low income minority uh, groups, uh, their, their kids are a majority of all the kids in the charter schools nationwide, and uh, the polls that I've seen indicate that the. Uh, the parents are all in favor of this, and indeed the community as a whole tends to be in favor of this. Politicians beholding to the teachers' unions are, of course, opposed to it. This is this is really revolutionary. If we could, I mean, as you explain in your book, I mean, kids who go to these charter schools get a far superior education. We're going to get into that detail in a moment, but this would really be revolutionary. But but when you have one party rule, one union rule, and so forth, and so it makes this very, very difficult to institute, doesn't it? It, it does. It makes it virtually impossible unless, unless a, 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 a large enough number of voters will find out what's happening. And I'm sure most American voters would not tolerate what is being done if they knew what was being done. Aren't you amazed that people who keep talking about systemic racism won't get in this fight when it comes to educating people, particularly in the inner cities, the large metropolitan areas. They, they almost say nothing. Yes, I'm not. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Uh, there's nothing in it for them. Mm-hmm. And they don't send their kids to these schools. They may come out of these neighborhoods, but I don't know anybody that goes back. Do you? No, no. <laughs> uh, there have been studies over the years that teachers send their own children to private schools to, to a greater extent than do parents as a whole. By the way, uh, the book is called Charter Schools and Their Enemies, and I want to delve into this. You looked at New York City in particular, which is obviously a big example, and um, you compared uh, res- test results from students in 100 traditional public schools and and uh, and charter schools. What did you find? Oh, I, I found that uh, when they, when they take the very same tests in the same very same grade levels, that the percentage of take the math test as one example, ten uh, percent of the uh, charter school kids uh, pass the math test, the statewide math test, sixty eight percent. In the in the charter schools, pass. So we're talking about nearly seven to one difference, and and I've control for things like uh, the racial mix-up, the uh, oh the, the the financial uh, uh, status of their parents, all of those things. There's there's very little difference, if any. And so all the things that the blamed reason to the blame for why the low-income minority students don't do well, uh, those those same thing apply things apply to the charter schools, and yet the charter schools uh, do phenomenally some of them. But <clears throat> even even the even the charter schools that are very disappointing, and then I mention those in the, in the book as well. Even though they're disappointing, they still do better than the public school housed mm-hmm. in the very same building with them. And um, I guess parents know in these communities, the public school from the charter school, and I, I'm guessing there's a lot of demand from these parents in the inner cities, New York you're talking about, 
who'd like to send their kids to these charter schools. Oh, yes, there's a, <clears throat> there's, there's a, a backlog of more than 50,000 children uh, on a waiting list to get into charter schools. And, of course, that means that the uh, traditional public schools and the teachers' unions must uh, put some kind of roadblock in the way to keep them from getting in. And there are a number of uh, roadblocks that they, they have. The most, the most widespread one is simply having a, a, an arbitrary number put on set as a limit to how many charter schools there can be, completely irrespective of whether the charter schools are doing well, doing badly, or indifferent, anything. And so and New York, the last I checked, was up against that limit. And although the most successful of the uh, charter school networks, the Success Academies charter schools, got several million dollars, I think nine-plus million dollars from the federal government, and ordinarily would just be able to expand uh, what, what they're doing, well, they're, they're up against the deadline, against the limit, numerical mm. limit that's been set. And it is set arbitrarily. It's set, yeah. in other words, to keep down the number of kids that can go to these charter schools. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, President Obama wasn't very big on school choice, was he? I haven't checked on, on his uh, record, but uh, cer- certainly that, that he was not uh, – well, he, he, he talked a good game, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how much he did. I understand there was a program in Washington, D.C. I think it was either – he either cut funding or cut it out altogether, just one program. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. this uh, the charter schools, are they expensive? What you mean, mean to, to, to the to the to the to the parents? Oh heavens no! They are public schools. Mm-hmm. They, they they pay nothing. Uh, one of the in terms of money, the the, 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 the complaint is always made that the uh, charter schools drain money out of the public schools. Well, the charter schools have no ability to drain anything. If children choose to go to apply to a charter school, and if they're accepted, then of course. The money that was used to educate them in the traditional public school will go with them. I, I've, I've never understood this argument that's made all the time. Because does anyone believe that when it's a, a, a child transfers from school A to school B, that the money to educate him should stay behind in school A? Mm-hmm. But apparently no one thinks it through that far. The money follows the student. What's the problem? He's still in the system, right? Yes. Now, I, I want to ask you this. The President of the United States says, and you know, uh, when I was President of Landmark Legal Foundation, we used to litigate for school choice and, and worked with uh, Milton Friedman and some others. Uh, this, this is a long time ago, Milwaukee. And we came up against uh, the teachers' union. We came up against the NAACP. We came up against the Democrat Party. There must be a hell of a lot of money and votes in this for, the, for, for that for that crowd or that group of people to 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 prevent young kids from getting a decent education there's a lot of money i mentioned 50,000 uh, students on waiting lists in new york city the last last numbers i saw the per pupil expenditure is well over $20,000 mm-hmm. now you do the you do the math if 50,000 students uh, transfer into charter schools uh, that means that there'll be more than $1 billion transferred with them in a given year. So this will go on for year, year after year. 
And, of course, they are not prepared to see this happen. And I think this, this is the fundamental reason they have to put up these roadblocks. We're going to take a short break. I want to come right back to uh, Dr. Saul. And my question to you when we come back is the president says this is a civil rights issue. I want to know from you if you believe this is a civil rights issue, too. The book is, and it's a great book, Charter Schools and Their Enemies, and it's particularly pertinent today. Well, what we see that's going on in our public schools and, and, the, and the lack of alternatives, particularly in inner-city poor neighborhoods. We'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Dr. Thomas Sowell, the book, it's out tomorrow. You might want to order it today, right on Amazon. We've linked to it. Charter schools and their enemies. And you might say, what does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Who's educating our children? Are they getting an education? They're your tax dollars. You see what's going on out in the country. This is all related. It's very, very relevant. Don't you agree with me, Dr. Sowell? Absolutely. I think, I think this makes far more difference in the lives of far more people than the things that they're talking about on television, uh, the, you know, the statues and so forth. I, I must say, when I was growing up in poverty, and especially when I was going through bad times and had to pawn my suit to get money to eat and so on, it never occurred to me that I had a, a time to spend thinking about statues. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they're pulling statues. I'm saying, okay, then what? <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, it's the most bizarre thing, and it really has nothing to do with this so-called revolution either, pulling down these old statues. But we'll get into that in a little bit. I want to keep – your book is absolutely fascinating, so I want to continue. Public education eats up an enormous amount of the GDP, an enormous amount of, of property taxes. People pay it, most of them, uh, based on the value of their home or their businesses and so forth, and they have almost no say in it. Isn't that true? Oh, yes, yes. And there's very little correlation between the amount of money that you spend uh, and the kind of education that comes out the other end. Mm-hmm. Do, I, I think most people don't realize that charter school students do not get the same amount of money per student as, as the, uh, the, public, the traditional public school students do. And I've seen two studies, one of, done at different times probably. One says they get 19% more. The other says they get 26%. Mm. I'm sorry, 19% less for the charter school students. And another one said 26% less. What, what accounts for that? Oh, that's the way they choose to do it. Gosh. 
So, so more money for the failing schools and less money for the for the achieving schools. Uh, absolutely, and more than that, and if the school is really failing so badly, it's just a, a public scandal. They will then pour still more money into it. You see, to, that that enables the politician to say that he's really concerned about this because he's uh, appropriated X number of uh, millions or billions of dollars uh, towards that school. And of course, the money usually does not, nothing more than just uh, have a more expensive failure. Mm-hmm. Because merit doesn't play a big part when it comes to public schools, does it? It does not. And more, moreover, they, they, they actually fight against having the students tested. And then that, that applies not just to the politicians and to the teachers' unions. It applies to the intellectuals who are saying things like, uh, uh, we, we shouldn't have these high-stakes tests, uh, meaning tests with consequences for the students and the teachers and the, and the school. And again, this is almost unique in, in in the whole society. I mean, whatever kind of whatever walk of life we're in, whatever job we have, there's some point where we have to put up or shut up. You know, that uh, you know, if you, if you have the bat and he's striking out all the time, they're going to take him out of the lineup. I mean, it's, it's no, no, no. They want to give him a bigger salary. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, Doctor Saul. Don't you think if these cultural figures, whether they're athletes or Hollywood types or whatever, would get behind this, it would have a better chance of actually expanding and succeeding? Oh, I, no, there's no question about it. I mean, they, they get behind things that have very little substance to them, and every, everyone falls all over themselves trying to go along with them. And how long do you think it'll take before... We can really expand these opportunities in the inner city like this. Uh, I don't. I don't know. But I, I, right now, I'm worried about c- contracting because there's a a trend across the country against charter schools. And in California, we had some really crippling le- uh, legislation that will go into effect day after tomorrow, uh, restricting the ability of charter schools to uh, suspend or much less expel students who, who disrupt. Uh, and if, you, if, you, and if you're going to turn, you know, the idea behind the charter school was they would be like an experiment. And the, and the things that they just try out that work, then those things would be, uh, could be adopted in the, in the rest of the public school system. In practice, what's happened when the charter schools come up with something that produces better results, uh, the, 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 the political response has been to force the charter schools to do the things that are failing in the, public, the traditional public schools such as allowing students to get away with all sorts of behavior up to and including violence against teachers. Well, if you're going to have bedlam in the, in the schools, it's going to be a lot harder for the charter schools to maintain, maintain the same standards. So I'm, I'm worried that we're going to lose what's already been accomplished. You know, uh, to me, this is something to march about. If you're in these queues, this is something with, where the mostly peaceful a protest, it seems to me, should take place. Why do you think that's not happening? I'm sorry, I didn't quite why, understand. Why do, you, why do you think there aren't protests in these communities where people want access to better schools, to more school choice and so forth? What, what, what do you think that's, that's about? I, I don't know, uh, but, but there have been some. Uh, for example, as you've mentioned, the, the NAACP opposes charter schools. Mm-hmm. But there have been a number of NAACP local chapters that have, in fact, publicly uh, come out and protested against the NAACP's 
uh, policy. So there are people out there. But, you know, most parents uh, are not, they don't have time to spend organizing demonstrations and all that kind of thing. I mean, they're, they're, they, you know, they're, they've got to make a living, they've got to maintain a home, etc. Isn't it sad how hard you have to fight for freedom? It, it is. It is. I mean, it's, it's, it really is. I mean, anyway, let me go back to, to, to the book here. You, who are you trying to influence with this book? School boards, experts, people who are actually idea people who have an effect on these various communities? I'm trying to reach anybody who, who has any chance of turning this thing around. Uh, I've sent uh, co- had copies sent to members of both political parties in the in the, in the Congress, the White House. Uh, I've I had had them sent out to uh, local activists. But I'm hoping most of all, this is the reason for writing in the New York Post, to reach the parents of of children out there who may who may not know about what the facts are. And I presented the facts not only in the appendix to the book. But they're not my facts. They're, they're the official data from the uh, New York State <clears throat> Education Department. And I'm hoping there'll be some uh, people in the media who will try to discredit them by going, going online and, and, and checking out the numbers, and they'll discover that these are indeed the facts. And I'm hoping that somebody out there will have some concern for those children. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen with this book. This book, slowly but surely, will be a rallying cry in many of these communities where people should wave it around and talk about liberating their children so they can get an actual education. The name of the book is Charter Schools and Their Enemies. I'll be right back with Tom Saul, and I have a big question. What does he make of events that he sees taking place and quote-unquote systemic racism? We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. We're back with uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell. Magnificent book, Charter Schools and Their Enemies. You can go on Amazon and order it now. It comes out tomorrow so you can get it right away. It's very, very relevant to things that are going on in our country. And really, everything starts in the classroom. It truly does. And one of the wonderful things about this book is the index that you uh, painstakingly put in this book, Dr. Saul. Tell us about the index. Well, the index lists more than 100 schools, uh, all of whom are located, uh, if it's a traditional public school, it will be located in the same building with a charter school and have the, have at least one grade that is the same in both schools so you can make the comparison. 
I would, I would love to, if parents, uh, ministers, whoever might be interested in what the local school is doing, just look up the name of the school, if it's PS43 or whatever the name may, might be, and you'll find out how the kids are doing in the two kinds of schools, in the buildings that your kids are going to, uh, and uh, I think I think then the results will shake shake up many people who do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that is uh, terrific. That's a lot of work. Yes, uh, I I think my research assistants would agree with you. <laughs> well, as somebody who's not written as many books as you have, but have written a few, I know it's a lot of work. Doctor Sol, your birthday's tomorrow. Yes, I'll be ninety. Ninety. Yes. <laughs> Quite a life you've led, don't you think? Oh, yes, my goodness. There were people when I was a teenager who said I wouldn't make it to 21. But that's because you were a young Marxist, right? Well, no, it was just because I was young and some, some thought I was uh, too daring. Yeah. And, and, and remind everybody, you, you were a young Marxist for oh, a while. absolutely, for a decade. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the left has the better vision. Yeah. It's only when you turn from the vision to facts that suddenly everything collapses like a house of cards. I mean, is, isn't, it, isn't it amazing how, how ideology or theory or, 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 or abstractions compel people? They, 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 they lure people in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, look at Jonestown, for heaven's sake. Uh, I think many, if not most, of the people who were in the movement that created the Soviet Union were probably idealists wanting a better world. They had no idea what kind of world they were, in fact, creating that was worse than the czarist world that was by no means any model. You think some of that's going on today? Yes. What, yes. Do, you, what, what, what do you say to people? And I get even friends of mine who are African-Americans say, Mark, you're not black. You don't know there's systemic racism. And I say, well, where is it? Because I want to address it, confront it. What, yes. what, 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 what do they mean? I have no idea what they mean, and I'm not sure they have any idea what they mean, in the sense that you can ask them a, a, a factual question and get a factual answer. Uh, for, for example, one, one of the things I came across in writing a previous book was the poverty rate between blacks and whites. And if I remember the numbers correctly, uh, something like uh, uh, 22% of blacks were in poverty, 11% of whites were in poverty. We said, well, that shows the racism. But then I say, you break, break the black population is not the, the same. And so if I look up, well, what is the poverty rate among black married couples? And the answer for the year that I, I looked up, it was 7.5%. In other words, black married couples not only have a lower poverty rate than blacks as a whole, they have a lower poverty rate than whites as a whole. And isn't that the point? I mean, isn't the point? It's not. It's not so much about race, but it's about lifestyle. It's about people making decisions about themselves and their families, and so forth. Yes, and uh, in passing, in this book, I, I, I cite what goes on in England, and, and just briefly, uh, when they do these studies of people with low-income people in England with from different ethnic backgrounds, can you guess who has the lowest scores on those on the, on on, the, on those tests? No. White native-born Britons. Hmm. You say, well, why? How, this is so different from America. Well, the underclass in Britain is predominantly white, and they have been told the same thing that the predominantly black underclass has been told, that everything you have is due to injustices by others. 
uh, and, and that you, you've been maltreated and so on, and instead of giving them the skills to rise out of that, they give them a, a, a resentments and rhetoric to go out into, into the world, and employers are not interested in their resentments and rhetoric. They, they want to know whether you can do the job. And so in, in Britain, people from Africa, people from the Caribbean, people from China, India, all those kids who are, again, at the same low income level, they come in at the low incomes and they rise right out of it. Mm-hmm. And the ones who are native-born and have been generation after generation told this, this great story, they're the ones who, who, who do badly. One of the irony is, ironies is in the two countries for the year that I looked it up, the functional illiteracy rate was 16.6% in both England and the United States. So it doesn't matter that I mean, the, 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 you do the same stupid things with, with, with the students in the schools and you get the same awful results regardless of the complexion of the students. What do you make of extremely wealthy athletes and actors and actresses, or Oprah Winfrey, and it's not just blacks, it's going to be whites too, who keep, who keep talking about uh, this systemic racism. They don't live in these communities. They, they live among the systemically racist, I guess. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I, I, many years ago, I, I, I wrote a couple of columns called uh, Blacker Than Thou, and my, my thesis was that those blacks who had never really lived in the black community and that would include President Obama and Attorney General Holder, among many others. That they they feel that they must be blacker than thou. You see, mm-hmm. it's like it's like the convert who is more Catholic than the Pope. You know, one of the things that concerns me, uh, Doctor Sol, is the media. It concerns me a lot. So, for instance, you lay out with facts and studies, but not just that. You you, you make you make compelling arguments and explanations for why things are the way they are. And you need to know these things in order to address them so you're not chasing your tail, you know. Right. And and if they don't, if the mass media wants to continue with the propaganda and the hype and so forth, you know, a lot of people in the audience, they get very down about this. They say, well, how are we going to overcome this ignorance and so forth when it is perpetuated like this? It's perpetuated in the schools, literally beginning in kindergarten in some schools. Mm-hmm. And from kindergarten right on through to to the Ph.D. level, they hear the same narrative, and they and they are not taught how to how to uh, test things against facts. Uh, they're just taught to repeat these slogans, and when you try to talk to them in terms of facts, they 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 think that you're trying to confuse them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think the media gets very confused with facts too. You know, I, I want you to know something. This is personal. When I was a young man, I'm, I'm getting up there too, but when I was a young man, my father, who, who wasn't an intellectual, but he was a bright man, he said, I want you to read something. And I forget what it was, but he gave me something that was written by you. For heaven's sake. And it had an enormous impact on me. An enormous impact on me. And I was a young man, maybe I was 15, 17, 18, whatever it was. I said, wow, who is this? Well, it's Dr. Thomas Alton. Then I did, and then I would watch PBS from time to time, you know, with you, with Buckley and Friedman uh, and so forth. And I'd say, wow, this guy, he's like, he's like heads above everybody I've ever heard. I just want you to know the enormous influence you've had on people, on me, 
and how important it is that you've done this writing and you continue to be engaged. I want you to know your birthday's tomorrow, how, how thrilled I am to have an opportunity to talk to you for 45 minutes. Thank you, sir. I, my, my goodness. Uh, and, of course, I, I, follow, I follow you uh, regularly. And uh, I've been looking forward to this. I had no idea. Uh, well, of course, when you write, you have no idea who's, who's going to read it. Yeah. And, and also, we're working on getting, uh, I want the audience to know on uh, Dr. Saw and Life, Liberty, and Levin, because I think that would be a fantastic show, too. But in the meantime, go ahead and order a copy of the book. You can go to Amazon.com, Charter Schools and Their Enemies. This affects us all. What's going on in these cities, what's going on with these children, this is, oh, I know what I asked. The president says this is the, the, a civil rights movement. Do you agree? Yes, it, it, it's, and, and, and what, what gets me, and, and, and I have no legal training, but I would think it would be illegal for them to be discriminating against the students in terms of how much money they will allow per student, especially when they know in advance that these are low-income minority students. And so you really can't uh, be skimping there when, when you're lavishing all kinds of money on schools that aren't producing any results. I think uh, justice, they don't look at every aspect of this. They don't look at it, the teachers' union, although I, I think unions are exempt from the antitrust laws. Maybe we would adjust that a little bit because, I mean, liberty is liberty. Competition is competition. If you're going to have it when it comes to toasters, you ought to have it when it comes to children. Absolutely. So well, Dr. Saw, I look forward to our next interview. I very much do. And God bless you and have a wonderful birthday tomorrow. Fine. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. That is the great. Dr. Thomas Saw, and the great Dr. Walter Williams wrote a beautiful piece about his, his longtime friend, very, very close, uh, Thomas Saw today, um, in, in one of his columns, in his column. Um, you know, these are the men that made a difference to me when I was young. I don't expect I'll make a difference to the young people the way they did for me, but I do try to push out the word. And it comes down really to one word. Really two, liberty and virtue. If there's two words you have to remember, liberty and virtue. Thomas Hall is a remarkable man. And I feel like Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court in many ways reminds, not because of race, but the way the brain works, reminds me of Tom Sowell, of Milton Friedman, of, of, of Buckley, these, these men. And he's been so outstanding on the court. So outstanding. Uh, but Tom Saul, we wish you a happy birthday. Please go ahead and get the... You, when you go on Amazon, you're going to see all kinds of books by all kinds of hucksters about whiteness, about blackness, about whiteness and blackness and blackness and white... Folks, folks, folks. Forget that crap. We're all human beings. The book is Charter Schools and Their Enemies. And by the way, you can also give it to a teacher. But also give it to your kid, especially if they're in college. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. do that if you tell me that this legislation is worthy of George Kirby's name. And he said it is. George and so Kirby? we're very proud. We're very proud to carry that. Who do you believe when it comes to civil rights and police accountability? Mitch McConnell or the lawyer for the families of Floyd Taylor? I believe George Floyd Taylor. Taylor. George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Social distancing and wearing masks which I never do when I walk outside of this house. I never fail to do. <laughs> the Three Stooges, honest to God. Can you imagine them running the country? Because they will if you don't turn out in big numbers. It would. I never turn out with a mask. I mean, uh, I, mean I never fail to. Is George Kirby, wasn't he a comedian, Mr. Producer? A baseball player or something? Oh, he was a comedian. And I got to hear that again. Go ahead. But I only will do that if you tell me that this legislation is worthy of George Kirby's name. And he said it is. And so we're very proud. We're very proud to carry that. Who do you believe when it comes to civil rights? George Kirby. police accountability. Mitch McConnell or the lawyer for the families of Floyd Taylor? Floyd Taylor. Or George Taylor. George Taylor. George Floyd. George and Kirby. Taylor. <laughs> now, what about the masks? Oh. Social Jody. distancing and wearing masks, which I never do when I walk outside of this house. <laughs> I never fail to do. Nothing wrong with that guy. Huh? We got to vote for him. I mean, he doesn't tweet at least, you know. Oh, my Lord. Out of all the people the Democrats could nominate, that's who they nominate. <clears throat> Out of all the people who could be Speaker of the House, it's Broomhilda. Out of all the people who could be the Democrat leader, you know, in the Senate, you know, in the past it's been Robert Byrd and so forth, it is uh, Chuck Schumer with the cornrow on his forehead. There are unpres- These are unprecedented times, causing a lot of stress and financial worry. And being in debt to the IRS certainly makes matters worse. Thankfully, there's good news. We've had a wonderful sponsor who can help you for many, many years. Optima Optima Tax Relief can help you resolve your tax debt over the phone and online. Don't go it alone. Optima's tax professionals can reduce the stress in your life by helping resolve your IRS problems from the comfort of your own home. From the comfort of your own home. Optima is America's most trusted tax resolution firm, having resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients, and they can help you. 
Optima's award-winning team is ready to help you online and over the phone, even during these uncertain times. They have tough-as-nails CPAs, tax lawyers, former IRS officials, and they will, they will gather them up and use them to help you and defend you. And they will stand between you and the IRS, and they will fight to get you the best deal possible. All it takes is one call to start the process. If you don't call, they can't help. It's Optimus Tax Associates are standing by. Take the first step towards putting your tax problems to rest. Call now for a free consultation. 800 Now, Mr. Producer, I know you got to dig deep, but Liam, maybe you can't find it. Do you have our mumblers anywhere? And I, I only ask this because we've been collecting mumblers, Miss, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the way uh, people collect stamps and coins. And these are mumblers, uh, mostly of Democrats, but not exclusively. Some of them are just people out there. But we're going to have to start adding Joe Biden to this, I think, to our mumbler. This is a hobby I have. I can't help it. You got it yet, Rich? All right, he doesn't have it. So I build it up for no reason. Well, we'll have it tomorrow, I guess. Oy, oy, oy. All right, let's take a call, Mr. Producer. To whom shall I speak? Yes. WJNO Greg in Florida. I know exactly where you are, the West Palm Beach area. How are you, sir? Greg has, Greg is gone. This is the greatest three minutes of broadcasting in American history. I have 40 seconds, so it doesn't matter. All right, don't forget to get Tom Soule's book right away so you don't forget Charter Schools and Their Enemies. This is very, very important. And you can make the case to even your local school boards and so forth. It has an impact on the entirety of our society. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We will have the mumblers tomorrow. Not the mummers, the mumblers. God bless each and every one of you. Stand strong. And I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.